Real Water Sports is our new retail partner. This has actually been long overdue. Partnering with a surfboard retailer is obviously a no-brainer, and Real Water Sports has spent 20 years building their business and positioning themselves perfectly to get surfboards to you wherever you are in the world. Shipping is a low, flat rate, and they do special collaboration boards with the likes of Chris Christensen, Maurice Cole, Lost, Pat Rawson, and they also have the best pricing on boards that you'll find anywhere. So to kick off this partnership, they're actually going to let one very lucky listener win any board of your choice from their inventory. That is right. You can pick any surfboard you want from their inventory of 1,500 boards and get it completely for free. This isn't just for our podcast supporters. This is for anyone within the sound of my voice. So just go to realwatersports.com slash podcast to enter. And a winner will be randomly selected on October 5th. There's no purchase necessary. This is simply their way to welcome you to their business. It is a pretty incredible gesture. Uh, The owner, Trip Foreman, is such a surfboard junkie that Pat Rawson is actually employing him, along with Roger Hines, to judge the Icons of Foam shaping competition at the Boardroom Show later this month. You know Roger, he's obviously a 50-year board builder, so for Trip to be included on this kind of is an indicator for how much of a surfboard junkie the guy is. And he's built this incredible business around surfboards. So please consider Real Water Sports for your next surfboard purchase. They actually carry a lot of surfboards from builders and brands that we have interviewed and discussed on this show. And in fact, today's episode is with Aquila Ipa, and Real Water Sports carries Aquila's flat earth model that you see Kelly Slater constantly writing and discussing. So if you are the lucky giveaway winner on October 5th, you can pick that board if you want. So you can make your entry at realwatersports.com slash podcast, and that also lets them know that we sent you. So enjoy that. We are thrilled to have this resource and also thrilled to share it with you. realwatersports.com slash podcast. Enjoy. tough you know and yeah. i don't feel any different than a whole lot of other people other other people going through some a, a situation similar and that's where you know we spoke last time i feel for for people out there that really snap because there's a fine line there you know we're pushed to the brink and when you see on the news the people that are snap i feel for them because you know we're in this situation where like hey i have an outlet i have work i have friends i have surfing where i put that energy elsewhere where, where yeah man i get i get frustrated at times i get beat down and I don't want to take it out on other people. I want to take it out on a wave. I want to release it in, in, in meditation. You know, I want to find exercises and, and ways to let it go. Or sometimes these poor guys take it, poor men and women take it on so much and they don't have that release and they snap. Yeah. And, you know, so I, I'm, I'm thankful for all these, all these outlets saving me from snapping. You know, I have my work that's so engaging and engulfing, trying to nail a surfboard design that I'm, I'm totally consumed by it. I'm consumed by trying to surf at a level at this age. Uh, I'm consumed with trying to manage and run a business where like I'm, I'm trying to stay consumed with the, the positive things in my life where I'm trying not to go down on a path and that and, and harbor negativity. And it's, it's challenging, man. I'll tell you that it's challenging. 
I'm not usually inspired by a lot of people and I take, take a lot of them, but there's that guy, David Goggins on, on Instagram, you know, he said, only you can fix you. And that's the straight up truth. Until you go to the root of the problem, fix the root of the problem, you can't even fix you. Hey man, when you hear that straight up, and if you're willing to do the hard work and, 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 and fix some of the problems, and, and then the path is quite clear how to get back. Akilah Ipa really doesn't need an introduction. If you're a regular listener to this show, then you heard him on episode 312 back in February 2020. And a lot has changed for Akilah in these past 18 months. After years of working with Kelly Slater on performance twin fins, Slater Designs released that design as a board model available worldwide. In just a few months back, Aquila wound up on a surf trip in Mexico while Stab was filming the electric acid surfboard test with Mason and Coco Ho. So Aquila not only got airtime in that series, but he also served as somewhat of a coach and surfboard and fin expert for the various boards that they were demoing. And then the biggest development for Aquila in this past 18 months and for the surf world at large was that on January 15th of this year, his father, the legendary surfboard builder and coach, Ben Ipa, passed away at the age of 78 from a variety of ailments related to diabetes and dementia. And then just two weeks ago, on August 17th, the island of Oahu got together on the South Shore to celebrate Ben's life, which of course coincided with a big South Swell to help distribute Ben's ashes. And so I reached out to Akila to hear about that day, how he's processing, and how he's managed the new demands on his business and navigating COVID's challenges. My name is David Scales for Surf Splendor, and I hope that you enjoy my second conversation with Akila Ipa. You know, it's been a lot to the process with dad and stuff, so, you know, I mean, I don't know if we're gonna jump right into it, but um, um, most people have to deal with it once, you know. Dad had such a, a, a footprint and a legacy that we, we had to deal with it twice and with this pandemic. So, you know, processing a, a family member, you know, transitioning twice is pretty difficult. So, you know, what do you, I, put, I put it- What do you mean twice, process, put it two times? Well, he passed away in this winter and that's six months ago. And then we had his services just, you know, last week. So, you know, in that sense, I had, in a sense, I processed it once with family and then to do a, a service with everyone else, you know, so gotcha. to, to invite, other, you know, dad had such a footprint that, that it seemed only uh, responsible as, as, a, as, a, as a son. And, as, <laughs> you know, I, I got to expect that. I mean, as much as we want those things to stay private and, and stay be, be a family thing, you know, dad, a lot of people that treated a lot of people like family. So, you know, it's hard to, to, um, you know, not invite everyone or not open that door to people that appreciated him. So it was, it was a beautiful service. I mean, it was, you know, I mean, between you and me, my cousins were there early and, you know, they started crying. I'm like, wow, you guys, you know, this is too early for this. You got, I got to get through the date, you know? So like totally. maybe save it for, for later. And I'm, I'm surprised I didn't break down throughout the whole day, you know, but, and, I guess that's just the testimony that, that I've really put it to rest the first time, you know, I was okay with, you know, it was a, it was a long, 
process and you know i was probably halfway through it the last or in the beginning of the process when we last time we spoke you know or you know with dad going what he's going through so it was a <clears throat> it was probably a three or four year de- decline there you know so it was a long haul for us so it's i mean i'm in the best place i've been mentally now in a while just because i'm not i don't feel like i'm living between two lives i feel like i can live my life and you know focus on some, some stuff and not be so distracted with caring for my father and wondering you know wondering where his state of health is and <clears throat> so it's been really re- relieving and you know, having that time in Mexico to process and get through some stuff and you know a lot of times in this world we're not allowed or given the time to heal and process because things are moving so fast with people and lives and work so luckily I had that time and it's good you I understand the challenges with processing it twice that you're referencing. Is there any benefit to it? Do you think processing them twice, but also publicly and with strangers to a certain degree? I would say yes and no. Yes. If you're not comfortable with it. I mean, no, if you're not comfortable with it, sorry, but yes, if all of those people feel like family, you know, so, so most of the people there are people that I've known since I was a little boy that my dad had relationships with. Um, you know, writers, friendships, mentorships, shaper, shaping mentorships. So there, you know, I mean, like I said, there's a legacy and a footprint there that I can't not, I can't not acknowledge. Yeah. So in that sense, you know, I had to take the responsibility of processing it twice, but I'm, I'm not sure. Maybe that's something I asked someone else to that had to deal with it in the same way. You know I mean? I think us as children who, when we have parents that are, are, you know, have that light that shines that bright and, and that many people appreciate them, I can't like, not acknowledge that and not l- let them um, appreciate their time with him and honor that. So, you know, there's a beautiful showing considering um, mandates and, you know, we had permits to do a, a, t- a 10 tents for 10 people, you know, a thousand people. And then, and then that new mandate came in and went down for 25 people per permit. So we were literally only permitted for, you know, 200 people or 250 and considering we probably had twice that you know and we didn't i mean you know for us to be able to pull this off in this critical time yeah it just goes to show that dad's dad's reach was much farther than we think it was because he did a lot for the for the sport for the state for for hawaii and i think that we're you know we were were allowed to do something in a sensitive time because it quietly got pushed through because people actually care you know he had such a uh, uh, like I said, his footprint was lo- was large, <laughs> so okay. he, he it was Literally a broad and reach. Yeah, and, and you know, I, people we don't toss around that word legend very often because my dad never wanted to be called a legend because he said legends are dead. You know, and now that he's passed, you know, I, I can use that word freely. I think because you know the, the footprint and the legacy he leaves is legendary. You know, mm-hmm. so that to me is worthy of of that that word you know where people toss around too easily so yeah that 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 had a footprint man and he, he did a lot in this in this industry and in the sport you know for it and he gave a lot so it's it's a lot to live up to <laughs> how how interesting is that swell that hit on his birthday on the south shore well what both swells the day the day he passed in the winter was that double xl swell like I that's got chicken right skin just yeah now. that's right and i then, forgot about that and then we didn't plan for that swell this summer and we, it was his birthday, August 17th. We, we were hoping that we'd be through this pandemic so that we could have a gathering of free and open gathering and people felt comfortable. And that wasn't the case either. So, um, 
yeah to have that you know it was great it was as big as we've seen out there almost ever and as long as it's been and a few of my friends were all talking and after my brother and i i we, we swam down and we, we spread his ashes about six feet down uh, underwater um <clears throat> two closeout sets came and closed out the whole channel and i my mind wasn't on surfing that day so i jumped on the jet ski i had four jet skis for water patrol just for safety it's four friends and um I, I jumped on Dwayne to Dwayne jet ski. I'm like, I don't feel like surfing right now. My mind's just not in it. <clears throat> so I'm just going to go jump off the ski, swim, swim with my brother and do the ashes and just kind of bask in the moment. And uh, two crazy big sets just rolled through and the whole lineup. And it was, it was pretty, everyone I talked to was tripping out. They're like, whoa, that was radical. So yeah, the, the you know, his spirit and his essence of, is alive and well. And I really think that was, the ocean of nature is welcoming you home. He, he dedicated his life to, to the ocean. I really think, you know, I think frequency and energy respects energy and he gave his life and all his energy to mother nature. So I think that was just her welcoming, welcoming, welcoming him home. So. It really, it's almost irrefutable. Um, not just that incident, but it happens in surfing every single time. And it's not just that it happens. It's happened five times in surfing. It happens every single time. We saw it with Derrico recently. It's almost undeniable. Well, I think there's this wonderful, beautiful connectivity that we have to, to nature and to, to this ocean and to like frequency and magnetism and people might laugh at it, but it's about tapping in. And when your mind is that open and you grew up in this sport and you you can manifest waves in your mind because you visualize them at places when you need them or places you enjoy and it's crowded. So there, there's a way to tap in to, to an energy. And I think certain guys have really mastered that guys like Tom Kern, Kelly, Dave Rosovich, you know, they're, they're on a whole nother level. And when you get to hang with these guys, you, you, you learn that they've tapped in, you know what I mean? Like, like, I think, I don't know who in the world says you only use 10% of your brain, but I think that's bullshit. You look at guys like Jordan and Tiger Woods and Kelly. I'm pretty sure they're tapped into 30, 40, 50% of their brain with, with the control they have. And because when it comes down to it, what makes these guys good is they're able to compute and make good decisions at critical times. So that's why they come out on the winning end most times. So they, they're hyper, you know, their brain moves so quickly that I doubt they're using 10% of their brain. I wouldn't, I wouldn't, you know, handicap those guys by saying, Oh, they're only, <clears throat> they only use 10% of their brain. There's no way in hell. <laughs> I don't so. think there's a way to measure what it is you're talking about. And maybe that's why scientists haven't identified it. You know, how can you possibly man, uh, measure? Yeah. I think that's a great way of putting it. There's no the way of measuring. Yeah. When Jordan's going for a winning jumper in game six, there's no way to measure, oh, he used 6% of his brain at that moment. Like, right. I guarantee that guy's tapped in. You know, it's almost like being on acid where you're using so much of your brain and all your um, stuff up there, um, your, whatever, bad with that right now. But, you know, everything, all, all the chemicals up there are, are, are probably maybe a little more freely flowing yeah. with different parts of your brain being open. So, like I said, I don't know. There's, yeah, I don't know how else to think about it. And, and, and like you said, I think as surfers, whether we use that or not, I think we're a little more tapped in to, to, to nature and to, to those little fine changes out there, whether, whether it's humidity, whether it's pressure, because we know that surfers, those windows for beautiful waves are small and they travel a long way, that energy. And, and once it hits the shore, it's done. So your window of opportunity is tiny to get that mm -hmm. beautiful little, little uh, 
fetch of energy that a windstorm kicked up 2,500 miles away. <laughs> yeah. And it's zany. It's zany if you think about it. And along those lines too, I think we've all identified that the best, our best surfing happens when you're actually in the moment, not really thinking about anything else, because so many of my sessions are bogged down by me thinking about emails that I need to return or what my, what the rest of my workday looks like. And, uh, I'm liable to get in my own way, but when I get out of my way and just kind of like let muscle memory take over and all that is when I surf my best anyways. You know? Well, funny you say that. So like, you know, just after the Mexico event, Kelly, Felipe, a bunch of these guys hung out and, and surfed. So I think they're at their best when they're at their most comfortable, which is on their down and leisure time. Yeah. That's when they're usually surfing their best because they're happiest because they don't need to think about winning heats or not thinking about points or not thinking about getting that top five for the final show. So, you know, it's, it's really refreshing to see people on their downtime simply enjoying themselves. Yeah. And I think in this day and age with social media, everyone gets so hypercritical of clips or this or that or this. They start they start judging or bashing you instead of actually just appreciating it. You just got to see a little glimpse into some guy doing his shit. Yeah. <laughs> so. I, I was actually going to ask you about downtime because last time we spoke, you were coming off of a back injury and you weren't surfing that much. And the footage I've seen of you recently, it looks almost like you're surfing better than ever. And yeah. maybe, maybe not with Thank the same. You, but... Yeah. Well, maybe not with the same like power of you had in the nineties, but there's certainly like a flow and an effortlessness um, and like a grace, maybe it is that I think looks radical. Um, what, tell me Thank about you. the recovery from that injury and where are you at right now? Well, that was a long process. You know, that was a four year process and then a year and eight months down in bed, then the recovery of about two years. So about four years later, like my, my doctor, um, uh, Kramer's the both of the Kramer brothers were really kind enough to, to walk me through and educate me with the difference between a surgery and no surgery so they said about a year and a half with surgery um, to get back to about an athletic position or being wanting to be an athlete and using my body in, in a way so I'm like okay and they give me the flip side of that and then they said no surgery maybe two to two and a half years oh I'm like wow well I'm like and they said the other scary part of surgery not that they weren't confident but if you scrape something wrong whether your spinal cord or whatever, you're not walking again. And it can happen. There's a low percentage, you know, maybe a 0.5 or a one or a none percent chance that it could happen, but it could happen. I was like, well, okay, so if that can happen, and if I can heal properly, I'm going to go for that extra six months a year. And they were spot on. It took literally two and a half years for everything for, for the for the pain to go away. I guess the the, the for my uh, disc for to get for the sap to get some some gel back in it and to get some space in between and to stop rubbing my sciatic nerve or my nerve which is what causing sciatica. So the cool thing is I got through all that and after being down and been ridden for so long, two summers ago if you can remember the waves were going bonkers here. It was nonstop. It was a swell a week at, at, in town at courts and bowls. And it was nice conditions. And I, I, I was so excited to surf and held my health back. I was going hard. I was going too hard. And I didn't realize it. And I re-injured myself. So I had the whole thing go through again in a, like a six-month window where I had to slow down. I could barely walk. I had to. And luckily, I had some, I had some help out here. I had a hyperbaric chamber that I went in and, and I got pure oxygen for an, you know, an hour a day for like you know, six, 30, 60 sessions. I'm not sure. But you know, it really, it really sped up the, the heating, uh, the healing process and knowing what I had in front of me in a sense of how to deal with it really helped. But it, it was a shock to almost have to process that injury, <laughs> that injury twice. Yeah. 
And both times I have to blame myself because the first time I was in the gym and I had a pain, I didn't stop. And the second time I was, I got some, I healed and I got some strength and I was so excited to surf. And, you know, some of those pictures I shared on Instagram the other summer, but the waves were incredible. And I just was doing too much too soon without a full rebuild process in my body. I didn't implement a gym routine and I didn't implement my yoga routine consistently. So I have no one to blame but myself for going, getting too ahead of myself. So now I'm in a better place, but I, my windows are small. I don't try and surf. I'm at surfing at 60% trying to have fun. I'm very conscious of my back. My, I dislocated my shoulder two days ago at bowls. Oh my gosh. I kicked up. I wasn't wearing a leash. I went to kick out over the a left, the back of a whitewash. And somehow when I went to kick out the wave hit me and I was just in the wrong position, it dislocated my shoulder. And so, you know, there's at, at this age, there's all kinds of ailments. So just trying to surf and stay in the water is challenging. And then trying to surf at a level that, that I'm happy with that, that looks aesthetically pleasing to maybe to everyone else, because I want to surf at that level. And I've tried to surf at that level my whole life. And I'm not trying to surf to please everyone else. It just pleases me to stay or just you know to i mean i i don't want to be a bum in the lineup and waste waves if i'm jockeying or waiting my turn for a wave i i, I want to you know use that wave as much as i can and, and i don't know i just think until i'm unable to do that i don't want to lose my my position in the lineup that i worked so hard to have you know for the last 30 years i don't a lot of people probably don't get extended breaks from surfing even if they have an injury it's not four years or two years that they're out of the water what did that do to your mental state and do you think that there were any benefits from it? In the end, there was. It broke me. Um, I can say it broke me mentally, physically, spiritually, and financially. And I think that's what a lot of people deal with when they're dealing with injuries that, that are that severe. And I was bedridden for a year and eight months. I literally couldn't lift a bag of groceries or, or a load of laundry. So that gets that gets deteriorating mentally, you know, and... and um, over the time and over the course of time, how, you know, however long it was, it was, it was tough. And, and toward, you know, after it broke me in all those ways, I had to rebuild myself. And the cool thing in this world is you learn no one's going to fix you, but you, and you have to dive deep and you have to do some, you know, it was good time for self-reflection as well. If I can't go anywhere and do anything, it was a great time for self-reflection. It was a great time for restructuring my business in many ways and the finer points as far as um, spreadsheets, um, numbers, knowing what's coming in, going out, the P&L, the profit and loss, you know, numbers at the end of the year, where are we, can we keep lights on and stuff like that. So I was able to shine in, in other ways and I wanted to shine, if I couldn't shine physically, I wanted to, to shine mentally. So I challenged myself with some projects that, that are coming to hopefully to fruition now. And, and so, you know, the, like I said, the backside of that coming out of that was, was good, but the rough side, I mean, you understand why people in this country are, are, are addicted to, to painkillers like, like, um, what do you call that? Oxy. Uh, ox, oxys. So, so my sister's in the Navy and she dealt with a surgery recently. So she had, she had some oxys. So I was, when I was in pain, you know, people ask, oh, what's the pain like? How severe is it on the scale of one to 10? I'm like, dude, I'm hitting 20s and 30s. I'm like, I want one to run through a glass window and end it all. It's that shitty. They're like, what? I'm like, yeah, I, I have a high tolerance of pain and the pain's bonkers. So I can see where a lot of people in this city need that relief from pain if it's that severe. And the problem is when they're when they're prescribing 
what is it called an opiate is that what that is yep. an oxycontin so yeah so my sister gave me gave me one <clears throat> and i took it and it masked the pain for 10 to 15 minutes and and then the pain was back <clears throat> but it also didn't allow me to pee and poop on one pill so i was like what the fuck i was like telling my sister okay it's, I can see why people need this to mask the pain. I can also see why people need so many pills a day. And why, and then I can also see why they become addicted to it because if it does give you a relief of pain and your tolerance isn't very high for pain, you're going to reach for anything you can. Yeah. And for me, I'm, I'm all about cannabis. I don't push it on anyone, but I, I can, you know, if I, if I was a compare it medically, I'll take one bong rip. I'm good for three hours. I can function. My pain is, is, subsided i'm pretty functional i didn't feel that way on an oxygen i wouldn't want to be that way and i don't know if i want to share that publicly but i don't i'm not trying to be an advocate for, for weed but i think medicinally medicinally it's got so much more benefits than some of the, the pharmaceuticals they're prescribing but you know i think it's, it's a, not I think it's a healthy, politics but no but i think it's a good but, conversation to have it's a healthy conversation to have. And um, well, it comes down to money and politics, unfortunately. It does. And yeah. unless it's control, it always comes back to money and politics. And that's the sad part. I don't want to get into that because it's a shitty part of the world right now. We should probably talk about it. I think so. Because that's current state of affairs, you know, of how rough of a year it's been for many people. And that comes down to politics, you know, unfortunately. unfortunately. So, well, the reason why I think why it's important to talk about is that that opioid epidemic is actually killing a lot of people. It's a really significant problem and it's not conspiracy theory. It's well-documented at this point. And you're mm -hmm. right, there's yeah. so much money attached to it that that's why it's hard to unravel. But there's no question that that is a real plague on certainly American society right now. And um, so I think it's okay to talk about and highlight. I'm usually open and okay to talk about everything, you know, respectfully. You know, because our, our conversation is just a conversation and it's usually just an opinion. I don't claim to be no doctor, no freaking scientist. I don't, you know, in my social media world, I'm not trying to challenge people, you know, with stats and what's going on. I, I don't have time to get into arguments with people. I merely want to showcase surfboards and stay in my lane, you know. So people, you know, unfortunately, social media has become a, more like a bathroom, you know, or, or a hate room where you see people trying to strive and do good things and you, you see the few bad apples that want to want to hate on it, you know, and we're open to, to constructive criticism because you, you have to be on that platform, but like, it, it's not cool, you know, and some people, we understand some people are vigilantes and they want to be that way with, with their platform or with, with their, you know, their account. And you don't have to be so triggered. I think as a human, if you merely don't want to see yeah. it, then you can click unfollow or, or swipe right, right past it. Right. So, it takes a lot for a human to get so triggered that they have to write something in. And then it's crazy enough that you have to defend 2000 comments, you know, so yeah. it's not even worth, you know, for me, I'm, I always refer back to, you know, since, since this conversation is just an opinion and I'm no expert in a lot of things and I, I might be an expert in a few things. I'm willing to listen to you. If you have 30 years shaping experience and 20 years professional surfing experience, then you're in our room of conversation. Yeah. Then it's coming from somewhere. Then I can respect that. You know, like the people I talked to bounce stuff off to, off of our Kelly, Luke Egan, Sonny, you know, like, you know, we grew up in this industry, Christian Fletcher, <clears throat> you know, I love Christian. You, you know what you're going to get from Christian, a straight answer. Always. He's not going to bullshit it or there's no gray area with people like that. And, and I, I, I respect honesty. So I get along with people like that. No problem. Also, because I respect their opinions, because like I said, we grew up in this, in this sport day yeah. one.
you know so so and 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 once again they're just opinions they're they're my friends voicing their opinions that doesn't mean we have to listen to them but but um we, we respect each other's points of views i think more importantly in this age and when they're open conversation when you get a little older and it's nice because we support each other no matter what where you stand red blue white green you know i mean you look at what's going on in australia right now it's really tough and a lot of my friends probably aren't agreeing on what's going on but they've sort of controlled it very very well with cases so we can't agree with what's going on everywhere in the world and i just try and communicate with friends that have the knowledge and experience to, to, to dwell upon and to, to lean upon and usually that's friends like brad gerlach mike stewart you know a few of the older guys that have tapped in and opened the channel of communication because they, they appreciate that connectivity we work, we work hard to have that, that friendship they, they're willing to not lose it by by they're like older brothers yeah. So, so I feel feel like I'm in a circle of friends that if I have stuff to bounce off and I'm struggling with things emotionally, financially, business-wise, I've, I'm lucky to feel like I have a good group of friends that I can lean on that are a little older, you know, because Shane, Kelly, Ross, um, you know, that we're, we're all of the same age. I'm trying to learn the same things. And I'm pretty sure they have, you know, a group of guys that they lean on to, whether it's the same guys or not. You know, we're, we're lucky to have the generation in front of us reach out and reach back and kind of, kind of always care and, and guide. So, you know, I think our group is coming into that age now where we're learning to communicate better. Yeah. And with the experience you're, you're having in life, as you go through life a little later, you know, losing family, losing friends, it, it almost forces you to communicate your emotions better. So that your friends don't need to wonder and you don't have this lost time, you know, like, Hey, it's good to tell your friends you love them and how much you appreciate them because you don't know if that's the last time you see them in this day and age with the shit that's going on in this world. Totally. You know? So, and, and as much as we love to travel, we put ourselves in dangerous situations daily where most people don't need to deal with that in you know, the countries we visit. You know, and, and a lot of those countries are, are sensitive with what's going on in the world. And you need to learn to walk lightly, you know, and quietly and not draw attention to yourself. So there's no, there's no bling bling. There's no jewelry. There's no fast cars or fancy shoes or outfits, you know, like we're pretty bummish, you know, surf, surf trunks and t-shirts and, you know, our biggest, you know, our, our biggest eye candy is our, our, our quiver of boards that might, you know, might get us in trouble that, that sometimes you have to leave for, you know, for, for locals that aren't as, you know, um, lucky to have, right. have, you know, equipment coming through, you know, yeah. and unfortunately, it, unfortunately you travel, they, they, it comes to a point where they want to threaten you or steal those that, those boards for you instead of at the very end you want to share them with them and that's a tough predicament for those people to be in you know so like i said we, we put ourselves in some pretty crazy situations and we, we've had to learn how to get ourselves out of them so i think when you when you operate in in the normal part of the world and you come back to to the, in our country and it's everything's so simple and smooth and fairly safe and you know fairly safe you know there's some scary states out there for sure where the you know, murder rate is astronomical but you know for the most part we we can live freely and comfortably for uh, you know, uh, uh, up until the last two years with this pandemic or has it been yeah. two years already yeah well yeah. now a year and a half i think march 2020 yeah. um, it feels like forever <laughs> it really does and it feels like there's almost no end in sight too there was moments where it felt like things were coming to an end but now it just feels there's always new things popping up um, the problem is this feels also manipulated that it doesn't feel natural in any way. 
and it feels so related to to economic economics that I it's hard to accept in many yeah. ways. And then a lot of my friends lost small businesses and had to fold up with, you know, over here where, where a lot of businesses are, are tourist related. So if you don't have draw that income, if you're in the food, tourism industry and the food industry, food service industry, you know, even you know, our friends in Bali that have to pack up and move away because because of being in those industries, and it's it's been tough. How and has it the flip side? How's it affected your board building? We, we've been very, very fortunate. That's what I was going to share is the flip side of it being tough is, is the other people that are succeeding in this pandemic. You know, and I'm not big pharma and I'm not doing shady stuff, you know, so, you know, surf. Um, so they're succeeding in, in a bad way, in a big way, unfortunately, because they're feeding off of off of people's, you know, fear and, and paranoia. And, and they're, you know, the problem with this country I see is they're not creating health and ways to, to boot in any system and for people to stay active and battle it naturally raise your, your body symbiotically. You know, um, it seems like they're really pushing the, the jab on you and stuff. And that seems to be their, their mandate more, more than anything else. And from what science is showing us, whether you got it or not, you're still susceptible to getting it. You obviously are, you know, less, you'll get through the symptoms with less, you know, hopefully less of a reaction and have a better survival rate. So I get that. Like my mom's vaccinated. You know, my brother as a firefighter is, is vaccinated. And, you know, the, the problem is to me, what I'm, what I'm understanding and reading, it's like a crap shoot. And if it doesn't affect you, great, but there's people it's causing blood clots. There's, there's healthy, normal people that are dying from it. And that's the other part they're not highlighting. So like back to, you know, health, they should be preaching health and doctors and not that doctors don't have a bunch of doctor friends that they say they, they do and they're fighting for them. They always have fought that, but I, I don't know why we're not hearing it and that's a scary part you know so i don't have tv i don't get to watch olympics and news so i don't feel like i'm 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 manipulated by propaganda which is yeah. really quite refreshing you know and i, I don't know away, how, how i stay away from the news as well because i find even if it gives me some information it also enrages me and just gets my anxiety going and if well, I it's sit- skewed how, how true is that information then you got to go find find more news things yeah. or the independent news things to to, to see if how, how true that is when, when you got to go you know back story and back check news stories to see if that shit's true that's that's propaganda i ain't well, got time for that shit in my day not only do i not have time it's just the delivery method even if it's just telling about a car crash that happened on the freeway where there's no bent or angle well, well, they're, but the they're method they deliver it is sensational sensationalizing and it me, then i'm freaked out then i think i'm gonna get in a car crash now i'm worried about my well, you know well they're trying family. to trigger people of course it's triggering people of course that's all it is yeah. but and that leads back- to, to them triggered in many different ways in the in the community sense in the political sense and then in the social media sense it's just an outrage yeah is all it becomes you totally. know instead of it just being you know so like i said if you're like me and you don't have television you stay away from it it's pretty refreshing yeah, you know, I mean, then if I need the news, I walk upstairs. My buddy has TV. You know, we watch the sports we need to watch and this and that, sure. and you know, the the, the heats we want to see. But like, I'd rather not be around it. My day's filled with so much work. I'm just trying to stay in my lane. With like I said, business, we've been fortunate here. Surfing's been open. You know, through this last year and after two years, somehow, some way, because it's an individual sport, it's in the water and it's sort of distancing. It's beaches have stayed open, surfing stayed open, and it's. I don't know how they could stop us from doing it culturally. It's part of our, our, our cultural cultural practice, and it always has been. So I don't know how they could stop it anyway. You know, they yeah. could probably stop it by, by having guns and telling us not to go in the water. But 
you're going to do that at every beach with every surfer. You're talking thousands of people are going to give it an effort, right? So you're, we're at a make or break point in, in history and civilization where, where I think people need to, to get up and, and we need to exercise our rights and realize we as people have them and power are, are in the people. And that yeah. doesn't mean we need to rebel. I mean, we probably do in a way, but we need to stand up for those rights. And you, you, it's hard to say this, but unify. I don't care red, blue, black, white, whatever. It, it needs to be beneficial for all humans and, and, and society. And that's what gets me as, 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 a, as a human race is like, that's, that's not evolving. Yeah. That's de- devolving or whatever that word is, but that's stagnating well, us as a race. It was interesting. Um, Kelly's, Kelly posted something, I think it was on Joe Biden's Instagram, and it was about the vaccine. And so what Kelly was saying was, he goes, look, I'm healthy. I've spent my whole life focused on health. I trust my immune system to take care of me through this situation. And I can see that the government is implementing a mandate that's not for Kelly, essentially. They recognize that obesity is an epidemic in the country. And so they're kind of creating this mandate for all these vast majority of Americans who actually have not taken care of themselves, right? And so Kelly's putting his hand up going, hey, I get that. Go ahead and put policies in place that help those people. However, don't apply them to me, somebody who's dedicated his entire life towards being healthy and spending time outdoors, you know, athletically in the sun. Well, Kelly's a deep thinker. He's always going to find a way in an angle, right, to represent himself. And it's such an obvious answer, though. It's like, yeah, of course, let people that are healthy live healthily. You shouldn't, you know, but I understood why the government also wants to. Oh, sure. But aren't we our, the own bosses or gods of our own body? And so shouldn't that be a should personal be. choice? Yeah, you should. Be. Right. Yeah, or, totally. And I hate saying God, but I mean, like no one owns, owns us, our thoughts, our soul and our body. So our decisions should be our own. And that's just my personal thoughts. But, I, you know, I don't want to get into this because it's because so many people are probably going to comment about, oh, you should get it or you shouldn't get it. And for the great cause of this and that, hey, I respect both sides. You know, that, the fact the that. You know, I, I didn't get it and I got COVID twice. I feel that my antibodies give me a better chance, you know, and, and if the, if the jab helps me get through it on a third time better with less of a reaction from the symptom, great. But what if I have one, I'm one of those few people that have adverse reactions to it, whether it's a blood clot, whether it's something that comes down the pipe a year from now, because they pushed it through it just because the FDA, you know, the problem is, you know, I hate to be, I ain't a conspiracy guy, but you look at, you follow the money. Who owns all these people controlling all these protocols that are controlling all these regulatory systems in place? You know, Melinda yeah. Gates. Yeah. It always goes back to the same damn people. Soros, Melinda Gates, the same names keep coming up. So, you know, if, if, you, if you study anything, and I'm no expert in anything, to me, this is eugenics in its finest form, in a hidden form. What is it attacking? Obese people. What is it attacking? You know, like I said, not healthy or rich people. And who is it stopping in the world? The, the, the lower demo of the world yeah. and the lower income of the world, the middle class, the working class. So this is something on a much, and I'm, I'm going to get in trouble for this. So this is something we may not want to air out because, you know, whoever's listening to us right now, Alexa or whatever in the fucking world, there's some deep shady shit going on. And I don't want to be caught in this. And I just, I don't also want to be a sheeple. I don't want to be someone that's prodded in a certain way or direction and triggered. So yeah. You know, if it's rebellious, being a free thinker, you know, there's the other side of it where there's all this freaking woke ass people with their memes going, hey, this and that. You're so smart, but you're yet you're in a Tupperware club. Where's your effect? You do nothing. 
You yeah. can post memes and you complain. Like, how do you make the community better? How do we empower the community through health and, and awareness? You know, like a bunch of, you know, to me, there's all this woke people, but to me, that's like, that's like almost like a cult of people just doing memes, doing nothing. Yeah. I don't want to be a part of that, that either. Right. Well, so, that, so that's what was interesting about the Kelly example was I felt like he was actually saying something that's so logical and beneficial because if you are overweight or suffering, you can read that and go, okay. I should go outside. I should take some advice from this person who's clearly figured out this part of his life, but that's, shouldn't not, take a but that's not what's going to happen. People are going to jump on Kelly and attack him yeah. for even saying that, you know, it's going to have the well, the obese, the obese people that don't want to change that are happily being obese, that will be happily be on big pharma and happily do what they're told to do. You, of course they're going to attack Kelly. Yeah. They're probably envious and jealous of his health and his lifestyle because they're unwilling to work for it. And maybe hereditarily their challenge. Yeah. So, but at the same time, look at look at this country. It spoon feeds you that that path to obesity, the fast food, the 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 you know not not raising health and awareness and education. You know, you look at other countries, the park systems. You know, like Australia and Japan, it's so set up for health and yeah. and awareness and connectivity exactly. with nature. You know, and why you know we have beautiful parks, national parks here. But here's here's the other part. You know, like I. I I read this book a long time ago, Behold a Pale Horse and William Cooper. Beautiful story. And it brings brings a lot to light, like the, the national parks. It's all a money system and where the money's fed to, in a sense. And it's sad that that money in that system is not, not guarded and, and ran properly because that's the connectivity to America are those parks, those state yeah. and national parks and the use of them and the use of America using them, but using them, um, you know, consciously or not thrashing the place, kind of like how Australia builds all the little paths on the dunes, like, hey, dune restoration, please walk on the wood, enjoy the, enjoy the, enjoy the koalas, enjoy the wallabies, enjoy nature, but let's not pull up on trucks and tailgate and just party and thrash the place. So in five years, there's no nature, right? You know, so there's some guidelines to that. So I think, you know, it's, you know, back to like our, our system being in shambles because it's not run properly. And I think we're, where's all this money, money going? You know, unfortunately, it doesn't go back to the parks. It doesn't go back to social systems. It doesn't go back to education. You know, yeah. and that's a problem with 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 how I see this. You know, and I, I don't want to argue about it, but you know, when if they know what we owe down to the penny, accountable, we're accountable down to the penny. Why can't they be accountable of the spending of that penny? I want to know that sixty percent of my my taxes paid went to the social system, forty went or went to to the education system, ten went to the military and industrial. 70 gets uh, 70% of our taxes and they all have private contracts. Why do they need our money? Yeah. <laughs> when they're private, they have private investors that are making a lot of money. That's oh. where they're, they're, there's a huge mishap in this, in this country. And I'm willing to talk about it because I pay those damn taxes. Right. Of course. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, like, like I said, we're accountable down to the penny. I want to see that accountability from, from, from the guy running the show in, in yeah. that world. And that's never been the case in this country. And it never that's will a great be. Point. So, great point. It's all been highlighted in this know. last year. Um, let's obviously want to talk about surfboards. How did you end up in Mexico on that trip? What was the intention? Um, time breakaway, peace of mind, you know, with, 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 with dad passing and, and work and, you know, some heavy stuff going on at work um, with, with us spinning wheels because we're in a bad situation with the factory we're in we were paying invoice we were invoices we already paid down which was quite frustrating we we're getting overcharged um just just kind of silly stuff bad business etiquette so 
So, you know, for a year there, it felt like I was building boards for free. And that's got to be the worst feeling in the world when, when I'm writing this, this other factory, $170,000 in glassing bills. And I ask my team, why are we at zero? And I'm open to share that with everyone because, the, because that's honestly where I was at. I was ready, ready to fold it up because it's like, we're putting out this huge effort. I'm six months behind in boards. I'm getting heat on every platform because I can't come through yet. I can't come through professionally because I'm getting read on the back end of it. You know, so I was telling my guys, Hey, let's fold it up. I'm all, I'm, I'm willing to fold this up because it's spinning at zero. It's a complete waste of my time and, and start, it started wearing to me mentally, obviously. So you know, let's, um, I want to unpack that a little bit. Um, where do you shape boards? Do you just rent a shaping base somewhere? Or do you have your own factory? I, well, I do rent a place right now and I had to move and I was sort of renting a place. The, the thing is I had had sort of a, um, a thing worked out with the factory before um, that I gave them all my, all my, um, all the glass work and they, they let me have a room for shaping and producing the shapes. And, you know, so, so that that was a pretty good, pretty good thing. But when, once again, when, when they're productive and profitable and I'm flowing them work and they're holding work hostage while I've paid, when I've paid invoices down once or twice already, that really held up my work, my production flow and it kicked my ass financially. So like I, said, like I said, at that point, I was willing to close up going, hey, why are we making nothing? If I'm not profit, if I, if I can pay simple bills or, or do simple things on my, with my business, you know, buy materials or, or replace them, why are we doing this? You know? we, we talk on the podcast a lot about surfboard pricing needs to go up, like the retail pricing. Let me share real briefly. So this is a unit in, unit out industry. If, if you're going to be like me in production, you got to turn and burn. It's about doing a certain amount of units a year without, and with us, we don't want to lose quality. So we're not trying to turn and burn. You know, like I'm talking, the big guys are doing 15 to 20 to 30,000 boards a year. I'm trying to get to like 2000 to 5,000 custom. So back, back to, you know, us, the money and the bit, you know, the MSRP in America is quite low. And people complain all the time about, I hear all the time, China overseas boards, you hear everybody wanting, wanting to strike it down, right? From board builders to the industry in, in America to, to most consumers or some consumers that don't get it. Now, here's the thing. You're, those people in those countries are willing to work for those rates to produce that product. Now, if you were to pay us here, what is fair, me and my workers, that'd be a $1,500 board. You wouldn't buy it. You would be freaking complaining. So shut the fuck up. You know what I mean? I hate the heat that we get because yes, I haven't made more in 30 years as a shaper. To make more, I have to do more boards. How sad is that? Yeah, my glasser gets paid $28 to lay up a board. It's the same amount he got 15 years ago, $3 yeah. more, 25. So that's where people are complaining is bullshit. If you paid us what we're really worth, our boards would be 12 to $1,500. You know how hard it'd be to sell those boards? And it'd be great to make that so. And here's the thing. Instead of people complaining, I'll gladly do um, fair trade boards, you know, since everybody's in this fair trade stuff. Okay. You want a fair trade board that's worth 1200 bucks. You just paid the glasser, the sander, and the laminator what I deem and what they deem is fair after 30 years of having that experience. And we're not trying to pump that price, but we believe that's a fair price. Fair price. Yeah. So you want fair trade. Here's my fair price. Oh, I'll take my, I'll take that, you know, like, 
after all that griping, it comes down to value of sale. And, and then, then once again, that griping is just hot air to me. You know what I mean? Like, See, like if true brands have every level of product, you have your, you have your, you, you know, your, your, your affordable, you know, introductory product. And then you have your, your formula one, all off carbon fiber product. And most, most brands, smart brands will have the complete line. I feel like uh, that people will pay the 1500 bucks. You're saying that the consumer will gripe about it. I feel like they will. I mean, if you look at those morning of the earth boards coming out of Australia, Simon Jones is yeah. one. Those are priced yeah. at 1500 Australian well, dollars. Well, you, you're talking a niche. There's a niche buy. You know, but I mean, you're in you, that niche. For one, you, you, I feel like well, you've, I, I, you've got I, the demand I, to, to yeah, actually that's charge taking, those prices. Yeah, but that doesn't mean I need to make a program instantly that has $2,000 surfboards. To me, I need to develop that technology and I need to grow that range. And not just because I have that niche now and the visibility doesn't mean I need to throw it out. But but there are good good guidelines in the industry that tell me it's possible. When Matt did that Tesla board, what did it go for? They did 10 boards, 7 to 12 worth 20 grand now. Yeah. And most of those boards will never touch the water. So right. like you said, there's a niche out there for collectors. There's a niche out there for businessmen that do surf that don't trip out on $1,500 to $2,000 boards that go, wow, you know what? That's supporting a great company. And it's it's made here. It's made in, in country, in state, in the house. Those are people that that work hard for with, with um, their trade. I don't mind. You know, I don't mind that buy because I can afford it. But if you're a blue collar, you know, and, and you know, like you grew up like me with both parents working and, and you ask them for a board and they tell you you're crazy, but you ask them for the $400 board, Maybe they go, okay, cool. Maybe you should do some, huh, there's no paper routes anymore, but maybe you should right. do some chores to, to work that board off and maybe we can talk about getting it. And that that doesn't discount us from that sale at least. Yeah. And like I said, I'm, I'm trying to grow my brand. I got soft tops coming. I, I want to have um, overseas boards built. I want to focus on our local in-house custom boards being made at the highest quality. I want to have a broad range as a, as, a, as a businessman. Like I said, I have the visibility in the niche, but I want to fill it prop- properly. Yeah. And there are some good examples of people doing that, you know, map uh, album surfboards, Christensen surfboards, um, where there's super high quality. They've got 30 and 20 and 30 years of experience board building. So the consumer knows it's a quality product. The construction is sound and they're beautiful. I think the problem that I've seen is um, the consumer, there's confusion in the market for the consumer. So you reference the imported boards you know, those laborers in those countries are willing to work for this lower rate. And that's why we're able to, but if the consumer um, knew that the domestic manufacturer had all the safety precautions, the EPA is involved. So all the disposal is done. The legal in a healthy side way. of all the, yeah. the legal side of building surfboards. Yes. Then, then they can understand the consumer can go, Oh, okay. $1,200. It goes towards all this regulations to make sure that you know, Little um, do they know, thirty percent of that goes to keeping the lights on in a facility because of that regulations. True, exactly, exactly. So all and, of that and, stuff comes at an expense when you're dom- manufacturing domestically. If the consumer yes. understood all of that stuff, I think they could justify spending the extra money. But I'm not convinced that they do because even when you walk up to the shelf, there's boards from a given manufacturer that were manufactured domestically and ones that were imported right next to each other on the same rack. And the consumer doesn't know which is which, you know. Well, that's confusing, and that's the the our responsibility as as you know producers to take that responsibility and and 
you know, for me personally, that board should have a sticker on it, made in Mexico, made in China. And you should be transparent about it. Yeah. And you should say, hey, this product was made there with with stringent quality control and and or we wouldn't let it fly. But also look at 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 the discounted rate it comes at. You got to know that in, in those countries, their cost of living is a little cheaper than ours. And they're willing to work for, for those labor rates. And, you know, we're not into slave labor and slave whatever. And I'm not going to get into that because I don't want people to attack us and argue about that. But, you know, that's what's creating the product at that price. And should we create our product here at our price, like I said, at fair, at fair trade, you know, you can take it or leave it, you know, because unfortunately that's not MSRP at seven to 800 bucks. Our margins are so tiny on surfboards that, that, in this day and age, the, these brands are extensions of people's egos and money they already had. You know, yeah. they, a lot of them didn't need to come from the ground up. They're yeah. taking investments mommy and daddy left them, rolling them over. You know, they dip in and out of this industry because they can. They play. It's never been their main form of income or putting food on the table. So they've never had to live with that pressure or produce with that pressure. Yeah, and that's a good thing. That's a good thing. I take it as a good thing. You know, like, like I have one singular focus on this planet to make the best damn boards I can. So I've never been astray of that except for my injury in 30 years where yeah. these other guys, you know, like I said, they're, they're dipping in and out because they got incomes from other places and they want, they want the identity that comes with shaping. Yeah. They don't want the accountability and the responsibility, which right. I love. Right. You know, because um, I want to knock it in a park that way, because that truly resonates to a feeling the identity. I don't give a shit about that. You know, that's for whatever platform you're trying to be on socially. But to me, it really, I'm in the, I'm in the hard goods part where like, I, when I see that guy in the water and have a conversation with him, I want to make sure that board's doing what it needs for him in dimensions and length and width and float and performance. And if not, I want to get it right. That's where my, my concern is as a board builder, I want to reach them on that level because I feel I can and the product can. So I, I try not to lose focus of that. Right. That um, ever. <laughs> so when I think last time we spoke, you were just, you were developing the flat earth model with Kelly for Slater designs, mm-hmm. but it hadn't been released to the public yet. And you might've even mm-hmm. alluded to it on air but you've since launched that. It looks like it's a super successful project. Um, what has that done for your business? Um, geez, a lot. Um, it, it's been, it, it took a, a year or two to get it together and get it out, which was fun, you know, and then the effect, the effect's been really neat. And um, it, I don't know, there's so many moving parts to, to share with it, but, you know, first and foremost, working with Kelly's a pleasure um it, when someone is of that stature in this in this sport and industry obviously the visibility and the responsibility that comes with it is is huge right so i like to think of myself like as a, a 30-year semi underground board builder because i didn't you know on my website and I'm, i don't have models that i haven't even released yet that are in my, men, my menu for 30 years you know so so you know like midlands we've been doing them we just don't market them you know i'm not trying to post one every time someone else posts one and or it's hot so you know so in that sense to have the depth and to have the visibility now and have that opportunity has been been a complete blessing and to have our sport growing because serving has been open it's been a snowball effect in hard goods so not just me but a lot of other shapers and board builders are feeling that in a great way but in a bad way it slowed me down and it made my 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 bottlenecks even greater so so you know, I went from a four to six month 
wait to get boards out and that's just not that's not good for me or my customers so it's forced me in a position now to look for my own stall my own space and try and get my own factory and it you know eliminate those bottlenecks and expedite boards faster which means i'll need that space to house you know roughly hopefully 10 glassing racks uh, one or two cutting machines you know if i'm going i'm going all in and it's really tricky with the space and the affordability of that especially if i'm not taking on an investor or partners which I can't do in this day and age because margins, once again, are so small in surfboards. Because if I bring someone else to the table, what are we going to split? 30 bucks? That's a complete, <laughs> you raise you know, like, oh yeah. Hey, give me 250 K. You'll get that back in eight years. Yeah. It, it's a waste of time in, in a, in a business sense, because you share our business formula with any business guy in the world. He basically laughs any yeah. real business guy I talk to. He goes, okay, talking about surfboards. I'm like you, you really want to know. Okay. I put out 480 to make 80. He's like, what? Yeah. Oh, I pay for the blank. I pay for the cut. I shape it. I pay for the airbrush. I pay for the glassing. I ship it. And then there's a net week or a net something we try and collect before the board's delivered, but there's ho-hums, all this and that, you know, it just happens, you know? And then, so like I tell the guy like, yeah. And then after taxes, yeah, 480 to make 80. You, you really want to know? I'm like, and that's why we have to do high volume to have a factory, to keep the lights on. If I don't do 1200 boards a year base, I'm done. I say jack up prices. I think collectively- huh? I think you jack up prices is the solution. Well, I, mean, I don't think that's a solution. It's part of the solution, but you don't just pass that on to the consumer. That's not my feeling. It's not that, passing. You know, like, it's just making ends meet. Like, look, ultimately you're not no, no, no doubt. Like your glassers Whoa. and sanders are going to end up going to work construction instead. And then we have yes. nothing. Whoa. So we need it's to kind being, of adjust pricing. Trans- it's being transparent about an adjustment. It's going, I'm not hiking my price because exactly. I'm cool. I'm hiking it because materials went up sourcing that material and the delivery of that material, you know, made yeah. that made that price go up, cost of living's going up. And like you exactly. said, if I don't pay my 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 workers what they're worth, they're gonna go do carpentry and cement because they're That's... forced to. There's the other kicker behind that. There is no youth or workforce coming in that. There's no people to replace them. Totally. I'm glassing right now. I hate it. Totally. I love it and hate it. I love shaping. I love designing, but I hate my customers waiting that long. I have to jump in and glass epoxy boards right now. You know, I've done in the last two weeks, I've done 30 on my own production, dude. You know, like I'm doing as much as some factories are because factories won't touch epoxy right now with the sensitivity of it, sanding of it, getting itchy and it being a kind of a different, you know, chemical. Yeah. You know, it's not fun to fun to work in, you know. So, so unless you have a Tyvek suit, a good good wind system sucking up the, the dust away, it's it's kind of a nightmare. Which is all you expensive. Can't blame. So I feel like yeah. if, if you communicated, we could do it right now on air. <laughs> If you communicated, hey, I'm going to need to spend, you're going to need to spend $1,000 a board. But what that's going to do is allow me to have my own factory, pay employees a fair livable well, wage. We, we can we can communicate that because I'm going into that anyway. So when my price is raised from 700 to 750 or 800, they're going to know the reason behind that raise because I'm going to be transparent about it because that's going to allow me to make a better product vertically when I own my, my, my factory and my machine, and it's in-house, that blank does not travel. Everything's done in one spot. The quality of that product goes up. So if you appreciate that, that's what that price represents. I'm exactly. not really making any more because I might make $2 more board. Yeah. You. It goes into so cost. It's not about me. Yeah, it's not about me. It's about making a better product at a, more, at a quicker pace, at a better quality, and yeah. having control of that. So, yeah, yeah I mean, it, there, and the cool thing about that, like, and then it, as we were speaking earlier, if I was to grow a nice range of hard goods, I'm going to have that $2,000 carbon fiber board in there. Yeah. And that's going to be a fair trade board. And that's a niche buy. A niche buy. 
Yeah. If, if you can afford that eight, 15 to 18 to $2,000 board, great. That's for you. And if not, there's a range of other products that, that we want to be in scale for, for affordability. You know, we're going to have soft tops for a few hundred dollars for entry level people, because that's in this business, it's a triangle. Everyone's fighting for that upper part. There's beginner and entry. That's the huge part of this business is beginner and entry level. And that's where they're not getting the service, their attention. You know, they go into a search shop. Guys won't talk to them. Oh, you're a kook. You don't got the time of day. You're not my bro. I don't see you out uh, getting barreled. What the fuck is that? You know, like these are the people that this industry is based on that, that grow the biggest percentage of income. They're the people who are paying for these pro service salaries. Yeah. <laughs> they're the people paying for culture and lifestyle that make the sport move. Yeah. They're the least service people. So like I said, I want to grow my range of product where we have soft, we have performance soft tops coming now that I'm working with some, some guys out of Australia that are super nice brand softboards. And they allowed us to have nice, nice tuck rail tucks on them where it allowed my, my, they're coming off a, a machine cut there. I, I believe the Aku or APS and, and their performance driven product. If I'm going to put my name and my stamp on it for one, it's going to be performance driven, affordable product. And I'm going to, I'm going to welcome the, those people into our sport and our culture. And I want to service them the same way as I service Kelly or someone buying seven boards this year or someone buying their first board. I want to give yeah. them, you know, I'm not always able to give them that personal attention, but I want the brand and the website to, to house them going, Hey, wow, cool. I'm just a beginner. Oh, they have four products for me. They have a fish soft, soft board. They have a mid length. They have a, a, a long board. Oh, and then when I get better, I can graduate to these hybrids that are, that are, you know, user friendly. And then, Oh, Look at his performance line. Wow, one day I want to I want to I want to be good enough to ride that that performance twin, that mod fish, and maybe a high performance shortboard. You know, but I would never force that upon a beginner intermediate right away. Yeah. And that's a problem where, where this industry is there, there, that product sometimes isn't built or housed for them because we're all trying to chase everyone thinks it's so cool to have the pros riding your boards because that they think that drives drives everything. And people don't realize pros can ride doors. They're super talented. They can write anything, everything. Along those Sorry. lines, no, it's okay. Along those lines, there's a one kind of confusing thing that I see in the marketing with the um, Slater Designs flat earth boards. Obviously the ones that they're putting on the shelf are EPS and epoxy. But whenever Slater talks yes. about what he's writing, he's often writing PU. What's your preferred construction and how does how do those decisions get made? Funny, you should ask that. So I've almost stepped completely to epoxy the last year, year and a half. Because With EPS foam? Yes. No, the reason being is weight reduction. And and that's what I'm learning it equates to. Um, molecularly and chemically, it's supposedly a better bond and a stronger glue. And I'm kind of noticing that. But what's what I notice, what works for me and what's most, what's most important is when you start with a core that's 1.5 to 1.8 pounds instead of three to four to five, the greater savings of weight is, is at the starting point. Now, like if I can refer back to a, a poly board, when I do a, a poly shape and I glass it, I feel like I'm chasing a unicorn to get that thing light and strong. And my layup on that usually is a single S cloth top, single S cloth bottom, you know, pretty thin, hot coats, send it. And that's as light and responsive as I can build a poly board for pros for almost all pros. Now with the EPS build, since the core is so light, we're not chasing light. I don't feel like I'm chasing a unicorn. I can build that um, 
core properly and I can uh, build the rigidity in that core that we need, even though that core is different now that we're learning. It doesn't have the memory that Pewd has. So if you take a coffee cup that's made out of, uh, of EPS and you flick it, it has that weird right? Because it doesn't have the memory with there being more air in between the cells instead of the poly cells being much tighter, it, 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 relay, it relays back to memory. So what we've learned is the EPS cores don't have that memory. And that's why you're seeing carbon on the stringers. You're seeing a high density stringers to bring that memory in now. So the cool thing is now that we figure out the cores and, and what that memory or that spring is in there, now we can build accordingly the shell, which is the strength. And I can do two normal layers of four and I don't have to even put S on my deck now. I can do four E and four warp and a four E bottom. And that's, that's semi-industry standard across the board. And that is a equivalently stronger than my poly layer. So I got a gain in strength and durability and flex and liveliness and weight. Just at the, just that's all the gains we get by walking away from, from the poly. It was just a matter of how do you quantify those gains and how do you use them per customer, per feel and what you're looking for. So, so going back to Kelly, why does he ride polys? Half the time, it's really easy to get out when you R&D stuff. It's quick. It's, it's faster. There's probably three to five more steps in an epoxy board. You got to prep it. You got to sand it. It takes three more hours to dry. So I could do Kelly. If I wanted to test a prototype with Kelly and Polly, I could literally do it in four hours. Shape it, glass it, ride it. Three to four hours. I do my personal boards in Polly in three hours, no, no more, because I don't have patience with Polly. EPS, I don't have that luxury. I have a box to kick it to make it go a little faster, standable in an hour, but I try not to rush the poly. I can still do a poly board in a day, which is crazy to, to most people. Yeah. And I don't offer that because there's not, you know, there's cosmetics. There's some cosmetics that's going on. I don't care about holes. I'm trying to get to the finished product to test, you know, so I'm flying through some stuff. So, so, so I wouldn't recommend anyone getting a board in one day, but I, there's too much up here for me to wonder about if I got to wait a week to test that, you know, I, I got boards, I got designs. I, I need to get, I need it now. I want it now. So, you know, back, back to, there's so much gains in, in EPS that I feel that once you're able to quantify and control them, they're wonderful. And how do I relate that back to, 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 to surfer and surfing at my age and my ability, I don't have the water time or the control of my body or my technique. So I'm finding the gains refreshing. It takes less energy or less inertia to get my turns off. I'm getting more turns off, more waves per session. So at the end, that's equatable. If I did 30 more turns and I'm not as worn out and I can quantify that in a place like Mexico after 50 waves, fucking A, that's yeah. a huge world of difference. So it's quite refreshing once you learn that. And I'm not sure that build is for everyone. And we, we're trying to learn the build for everyone because I have a young rider. He's on Kauai. He rides a lot of choppy winds and it didn't feel right. So what do we do? We added an extra layer to the bottom. These boards are so light anyway. So now we can build accordingly. So we wrap the bottom with an extra layer of warp. So it's double layer top, double layer bottom. It didn't trip the weight out. It's still lighter than your production poly board, you know, but, but there's that durability with it now. There's that cut through the chop where it's closer, feels closer to poly. So let's say I have more, more, more experience now. So let's say you live in England or you live somewhere. The winds are always choppy that you want epoxy board. Okay. Well, let's try and let's try and um, guide you accordingly. Let's go. Okay. Since you live, we, we, we wouldn't recommend our lightest, most flexible board with our lightest layup. We would probably recommend a certain core at a certain weight. We'd probably recommend double four top or six four top with a double four bottom. 
reason being is that board's going to come out even still lighter than a, than a production poly, but it's going to be closer feeling to it where you're going to eliminate the sensitivity to yeah. chop and win. So like I said, it's just being better at building better account and more accountable with it and also trying to guide properly to the customer. Um, I understand everything that you said, but is lighter weight always the answer? Well, I'm going there right now. My board's three pounds, you know, three and a half pounds right now. I want to find out when light is too light. You or, know, there, there's going to be a breaking point. Yeah. Well, that, but also isn't there benefit to weight? I mean, if the waves are big, if you're going to be surfing. Or no doubt. But, 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 you know, we're talking everyday average use, East Coast, West Coast, Japan, Korea, wave pools. That Got seems it. to be the big buzz right now. Got it. So cracking, cracking that code is fun because we've already cracked the, the gun stuff. We know what weights work there. I don't think EPS is going to change the gun world a whole lot. I think paddle and float and and ease of ease of use of the design will help but it might expose it in the wind and the only person to run that past would be guys like kyle lemming albular who i believe are using or or uh, there's a kid out of um santa cruz that rides all twin fin i think epoxies guns you know so there's there's people that are aware that are pushing the forefront that want the benefits in every situation of it like if it floats better paddles better and reacts quicker i would love an eps gun at waimea I probably would have rode one. I probably would have tested one because it probably would have stayed in the water. Probably would have swung around quicker. Probably would have scooted in quicker on the boil. And there's probably some fine benefits to it. And if you surf early in the morning, it's still semi-light offshore and glassy. It's not blasting out there. Then you could probably, it would be the right time, right place for that product. Let's say you're surfing outer reef and phantoms, a ton of wind. Would I want to ride that? Probably not. I'd probably run a ride my heavy 10-1 that can cut through all that, that I know that works in that stuff, you know? So it's taking, it's just taking responsibility and accountability to your own, to your, your product as tools and knowing what and where and when to use them. You um, posted a video or maybe it's just uh, photos of a longboard that you're R and D that's actually EPS <laughs> and epoxy and it's a twin fin. Mm -hmm. Looked almost like yeah. a high performance longboard, but with the twin fin setup. Um, mm -hmm. Advocate and tell me what is the argument for the twin fin I'm curious that board, but also you're talking about the kid riding a gun, uh, twin fin. Tell me about the benefit of the twins. Well, what it comes down to when you don't have that, that stabilizing fin, there's no stability. There's ultimate freedom. And for me in the generation I grew up in, I, I grew up skateboarding parks in the early seventies with my dad when that all these snake run parks and, and when surfing the, 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 when surfing the road or the, the, the pavement was a thing when the surf wasn't good. So I, I grew up with skateboards with loose trucks. So my sensation of a surfboard is the same thing. It is, is a surfboard <laughs> with, with loose trucks. And that's, that's the sensation. I don't mind it where a lot of other people like the trailer fin and like the stability. So that's the happy medium of these designs is you can ride them as a quad. You can ride them as a two plus one, two plus one, or you can ride them as a twin. And it's translating the many, many, um, lengths and designs, you know, from, from my back to, you know, your question, my longboard, <clears throat> it's a, it's a, it's my personal model and it's a design I've been playing with for a few years. That's my, my second rendition. It's, I didn't change anything, but it's a second cut. I did it in epoxy instead of poly. And um, I, I implemented some, some short board. I got concave between my stance and the tail. Um, dad was, dad was really into building, um, performance modern longboards because he he's like surfing them he never wanted you to ride a longboard he wanted you to surf the longboard 
So we have we have performance attributes built in a lawnmower, and they're not crazy. They're just simple stuff like fin placements, rockers, and, and little simple simple stuff that that come from shortboarding. So you know, since my tail width back there is complementary to the tail width of my my fishes and my shortboards, in fact, it's probably a little narrower. It's pretty easy to find where my sweet spot for my twin was. So that that's not so out of the box, but maybe a twin fin longboard is. But what the feel it's producing really isn't because if you like turning a longboard, you're usually turning it from the tail. You don't turn it from the middle or from the nose. So it's usually a, a tail engaging turn still. And so all I did was 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 you know put, implement my my con, con my concaves that I use in, in between my shortboards in the same area, and it you know it's it's pretty refreshing. And everybody I share the board with. They can't tell whether it's concave or veering. They just said it feels good, hmm. you know. So, so that that design attributes are working. They're not so out of the box where people are caught off guard, going, "Whoa, I can't turn it. Whoa, it's too easy. Whoa, it's crazy." It's just, you know, it's pretty. Everything I do is pretty subtle. You know, it doesn't have more concave than my shortboards. It doesn't have more rocker than what my normal longboards do. Everything's pretty subtle, so it's not like you're gonna feel a crazy sensation in one way or the other unless I was trying to chase that sensation or over enhance that. I'm not trying to do that yeah. because in a blend, the first the, the first third of that board is meant for nose riding forgiveness. I'm not trying to turn it from the nose. So it's just a happy medium. And and I like thinking and designing and having fun outside of the box. That's the beauty of being a designer. We have my longboard line is pretty complete. I have my traditional nose rider. I have my um, high performance 50-50 nose rider. I have my athlete driven longboard model. Why you know it's just it's just a design, you know, and, yeah. and people can get it or don't don't need to get it and and the ones that do get it and appreciate it where it translates to a feel and that's why i'm pretty tra- trans transparent about what i'm doing and like like in in those posts like hey man if you want to try the board come and grab it try it if you ask me to grab in the water like i hate talking about stuff i don't want to feel like a car salesman like i'd rather you try it and i'd rather talk about a feel okay what is it doing for you did you get that and is it are you feeling the same thing yes or no and we might not be at different levels of surfing you know in skill there's still always feedback and some, something to learn from. And once again, if it's the beginner to intermediate, there's a lot of attention and awareness to pit, to, to, that, to have there because they have the greatest needs. Yep. And like I said, the pros can adapt and write anything. It's these guys that, that aren't getting the attention they need and, and the service they need and the products they need. So my dad taught me a long time ago, that's, that's the, the bulk of our, our sales and our support is everyday surfers. And it's up, to, uh, it's up to us to get them what their needs are and not overlook their needs. That's why I've embraced the twin fin is because I am a lifelong intermediate. And like when I grew up, the only twin fins I rode were fish. And now I've gotten a mid length or two and I've gotten shorter boards that are more um, like alternative short boards, but with twin fin setups. And it's like, the reality is I was never getting the most torque out of my thruster anyways. So I don't really need that. And I appreciate the, um, resetting of the fundamentals that riding a single fin will give me forcing me to kind of fine trim and really focus on a bottom turn and the twin fin provides something right in the middle of that it kind of forces me to ride the wave in the correct spot but it still allows me to turn maybe not as vert as i could turn a thruster but i was rarely ever doing that anyways you know so isn't there a beauty in revisiting all all um, fin setups like i love single fins too yeah. Because you, you, you revisit the foundation and the limitation of how much you can put your board on rail before the before a breaking point. Yep. So it comes down to style and technique. 
like like those guys you know the highlight in the 70s and then you know the cool thing about twin fins is that you know then then it comes down to uh finesse and attention of style and technique because you can't push so hard without a trailing fin it's going to release and slide on you so there you know all these finer points may raise awareness and it seems like the thruster eliminated it you know and it desensitized that and you were able to push and the sad thing about twins is that 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 evolution went from so fast from one to two and three that that twin fin almost never got its, right. its moment to shine, you know, because everybody thought the thruster was kind of it. But what people don't realize and discredit is in the beginning, most thrusters were twin setups with a trailer. That was your thruster before a thruster because no one right. knew how to crack Simon's code. They weren't shrinking three fins to make three fins the same until it was really out there. But like as soon as it went to a thruster, everybody was running basically fins with trailers. And then, yeah. then, then they shrunk the front fins, became a thruster placement, and the fins moved up. But, you know, as a kid, even I see my dad's evolution go through, go through twins so quickly. You know, they're beautiful and they're awesome, but whoosh, there's thrusters. Mm-hmm. You know, like I, I remember my dad shaping beautiful twins, riding beautiful twins. His designs, they're called spade tail twins. And, you know, there was a little moment where, you know, when it went from the single fin to MR and those twins, it, it was on. Twin fins were the shit. And then as soon as the thruster came, you know, and then, you know, if, you know, Mark Richards is a perfect example of that. You know, he, he you know, I, I don't, I, I'll try and share this lightly, but he told me towards the end of his career, he wasn't sure if he would have a job because there was no demand, you know, for twin fins. So he was forced to shape thrusters. And up until the end of career, until the full twin fin renaissance, you know, it's nice to see him with a bunch of work and, you know, full, full resurgence in that work and people getting the retro boards, appreciating twin fins, because now he's, he's relevant again, when for a little while there, we can go, we, you, us as shapers, we can go irrelevant if your design doesn't evolve and grow with the future, you know, yeah. so for, it was really scary for me as a, as a board builder and designer to, to, it was, it was really alarming knowing that I have to evolve and keep my designs evolving because the future is always growing and the athletes are growing and the designs are changing and I have to change with them if I want to be a modern designer and a modern Hawaiian designer and board builder. So, you know, it it was, it raised my awareness going, Hey, you know, I have to pay attention and and constantly evolve with designs, which I feel like I've been on the front page of this, this, this twin and and fish resurgence, you know, I've been deep in it for 20 years, you know, like, you know, 20 years ago when I Rasta started playing, people thought we were idiots and looked like weirdos you know, for riding twin fins or, you know, we're hipsters and that's, that's not the case. We just wanted to ride a fun or a board that was more fun. Yeah. And it seems like the whole industry has come aboard to that now. And, and what's really, what's really, you know, a, a telltale of that is you look at pros, most pros, the moment they get off tour, what are they writing? A fish or a twin? Yeah. What do they want to have fun? Yeah. So it all equates to fun. And now that the consumer's stigma is gone with trying to fit the glass to the slipper of riding high-performance shortboard every day, almost everywhere I go, I see beginner, intermediate, advanced servers having a fun board in their quiver and getting more out of their surfs when the waves aren't excellent or perfect for that high-performance shortboard. They're, they're smarter, getting more out of the surfs and having more, more fun in their sessions. And that's beautiful to see the industry you know, kind of come back to... to a fun design and not discredit it. So Amen. it's been, it's been, it's been so damn refreshing, Dave. I, I'm, I'm honored to be a part of it and to be deep in the mix. And like I said, we've been at it for 20 years. So it feels like people are just coming down our lane. Right. And, right. and I'm, we, we're not trying to toot our horn, but we've got a lot of time and depth in twin fins and a bunch of twin fins and fish designs. And it's fun to share that. 
and it's fun to people for people to feel that and be able to quantify it compared to off of what they're coming on for uh, what they're coming off of. So it doesn't feel like they're chasing a design around a hamster wheel. We can give you something that's pretty sound, you know, right off the start, and, and it's still true, true to design and true to tradition and 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 history and legacy. It is it is a fish. There's four versions of it. It's also evolved. But if you want the retro, you know, you can you can come along with us for that ride. If you're if you want to start at the base and start at the retro fish, but start it all, you can feel that. And if you want to enjoy the journey and you know the, the contemporary fish, the modern fish, all the way up to the element to to the answer, it's an evolution of a design. And we want to share that story and, and that journey and being open to that evolution of design. We might rec- recommend also if you're a beginner intermediate, you might not want to ride the answer or the element. They're very refined designs that are a little more sensitive and less forgiving than the three base designs we have. So it's really fun having a broad range of fishes yeah. now because we're 20 years in and, and mostly it comes down to the customer now. Okay. What's your skill level at? What are your needs? Oh, you're surfing really fast, good waves. You want it to turn on a dime. Well, you might want to come to the upper end of that range. Oh, you're surfing very slow waves, very fat, very mushy. Well, the, the beginning of that range has our width, has the, the lower rocker, has the flow. So we have a full range now to offer the people that are coming into this, to this, this, this design of boards that might not have the education and awareness, which is, which is really fun. How often do you ride other shapers surfboards? Oh, all the time. You know, oh, you because do? I let okay. people test mine. And then when I let them test mine, they're usually on something and I get to play on there. So, you know, it's pretty cool. You know, a lot of people are making some really fun boards out there because the fun board um, niche has grown so much. You know, everyone's doing a fun board and a twin like, dude, everyone's doing a twin fin right now. It's pretty classic. Like every, almost every major manufacturer has a twin fin in their line. I know it's crazy. Are there any, um, in regard to other shaper surfboards, are there any other shapers out there that you're really excited about or that you see pop up on Instagram maybe? And you're like super curious what you're up to. So like, um, Corey Graham, he's a, he's a guy out of Australia. Yep. I'm a huge fan of his shapes because he does a lot of uh, fishes and twins, a lot of hand shapes, a lot of, you know, unique designs and finless designs and, you know, like, like stand-up boogie board designs and just 50, 50, just some cool stuff, man. And you can tell someone like him isn't limited by his, his visualization, you know, and it's, it's refreshing. I, I enjoy looking at his boards and his pictures and, and as a, as an artist and a designer, I, I think it's quite refreshing. There's some guys out there doing some really cool stuff and, you know, we're lucky that, that, it's so easy to see nowadays and it's so instantaneous compared to back in the day, you have to wait for print media or some yeah. film to see stuff, you know? So, and I think this platform is awesome. We're, we're the best representation representation of ourselves in good and bad ways. You know, like if you, you know, if you have good stuff and you share it tastefully, I think there's a lot of, there's a lot of um, awareness out there and a lot of people that gravitate towards that, you know, and then there's some people that go about it in some strange ways that, you know, that, that looks like, you know, they're, they're desperate for the attention or desperate to, to use marketing in some strange ways. I'm not going to name names, but you know, it's not, you know, that's not my form. Yeah. I don't know. I know, you know, I try, um, try and be respectful of all people and, and of all art forms. And, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't try and fester negativity, you know, I don't try and bash someone and their work. If anything, we try and raise their quality and their awareness by educating them or sharing, you know, if we can help them in any way, I'm not trying to, you know, I mean, it, it, it's just a long journey and a hard road in this industry to get the experience, you know, and, and you know, and, and if they don't have it, there's no reason that to knock people down. There's only one way to get it is, is by doing more boards and, and, and gaining that experience and helping them, you know, every way, 
everybody in this industry that's good has had someone help them along the way or put those 10,000 hours and get there, you know? So, so it's not, it's not easy. We don't have a trade school and those guys are not willing to teach because you're basically teaching the next generation to take your job. You know, they have a fear of teaching. So, you know, it's quite hard. And that's why we have the lack in the workforce coming up, you know, in this industry, because for one, we don't, we don't have a trade school. So, you know, hopefully soon, you know, there's, there's talk of it, we'd like to build one, but, you know, we, we got to get the next generation educated and, and working in this industry. And, and it's also a great industry and a great income for, for kids to be in. Should you not want to move away? And if you're creative and artistic, we can house you in many ways, you know, compared to having to move off to college or race off into, into another industry. How old are you? I'm 51 right now. Wow. Well, it's, it's, I'm glad to see you in good spirits. Um, I'm glad to see you surfing. So you definitely need to post more surf footage on Instagram and you need to start charging a thousand bucks a board too. <laughs> ah, that's cool. Well, maybe, maybe the economy in the world will move that way. You know, I mean, I'm, I'm open to it and you know, I'm, we're, we're just thankful that surfing has been open and there's been a drive on hard goods. You know, we're, we're pretty blessed. And I think surfers are pretty blessed right now. You know, there's the contests are doing the best they can of get, getting these guys the, their jobs. And, you know, and like, I mean, because, there is no blue collar free surface in, in this industry anymore or very few. Right. So when the, when the pro thing goes stagnant, really, that's a lot of work for our A, B and C pros, you know, and even our young junior pros. And that's tough. I put, it's halted our, our whole sport in a sense. So, you know, for the WSL doing the best they can to get that program going and get the advance and, you know, them pulling it off the Olympics, like, Holy cow, that was some crazy stuff at some crazy times to, to pull that feet off. I agree with you completely, but I think the lesson that we've learned here is don't rely on anybody else to do those things for you. Look, take a page out of Jamie O'Brien's book or Mason Ho's book or any of the, it's like, you know what? This is an opportunity. You're, you're your own brand. Your yeah. Be, be self-sustainable. Totally. That's all. And, and that's honestly, that's the beauty of, of that Instagram thing. These kids have a platform now to be their own brand. Yeah. You know, with YouTube and Instagram before, you could be your own brand in our generation, but unless Surfer or Surfing Magazine got a whiff of it and wanted to support it, you'd never hear of it as your yeah. own brand. So not like Jamie's Jamie's living proof of of self branding. You know, he's doing a damn fine fine job of it. You know, with his with his YouTube page and his you know his his merchandise now, and he's he, you know he's realized like he's invested in himself, and the return comes back upon those products and merchandise. Kind of like how we're referring back to skaters having their signature decks yeah. and signature shoes. You know, yeah. so like if you really wanted to quantify, you know, all, back in the day, Shane Dorian's strength, you should have a camo line that's built around Shane. That's a signature line. Yep. And then that can also, you know, like that can also go towards, you know, a chunk of his salary. Like you, he should get five or 10% of the sales of that line. You know, that, that's how, you know, I mean, I mean, unfortunately, this, this industry has never been set up like that, unfortunately, to support the surfer. And I, I personally, I think the the CEOs and the owners have made too much compared to like someone like a George Steinbrenner, where his payout is 20 to 30%. That's not the case in the surf industry. And it's never been set set up like that. You know, we've been used, used for identity and coolness and been given this opportunity to work, which is fine, but the payouts never been really fair for what the takes been from what I understand. And that's why with these kids and self branding and willing to put it on the line and, you know, like, like someone like Dane Reynolds, you, I, you know, when your 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 following is that big, million strong, it'd be kind of silly not to cr- create your own brand. Completely. You know, knowing that you are your own brand, and knowing that if you create a product that can touch those people and sell to them, why would you go through an avenue to have to market yourself 
and then have to argue with them how you want to be marketed, when you want to serve, how you want to look and what you want to wear. You don't yeah. need to do that anymore. You know, and there are great brands there to be to be a part of with that still respect the athletes and and to grow with. You know, there's, there's always be great brands in the sport, but these kids are learning that they can be their own brand and the strength. They are their own strength now with these platforms, which is really unique time. The one thing you can't avoid though is hard work. Like Jamie O'Brien works as hard as any pro surfer has ever worked before. You know, harder. And, yeah, on that totally. platform. Well, well, here, but here's the other part of that you reap the rewards, the benefits come back exactly. to you. So exactly. now instead of working hard for someone else, you're working hard for yourself. It's rewarding if you're highly motivated. If you're not and you like checking in and collecting a check, all those brands will sponsor and it's easy. But if you're hardworking and you, you like you know, reaping what you sow or you like feeling the effects of the work you put in, these guys are kind of showing you that it can be done. Totally. And, and they're, they're reaping the rewards and yeah. they have control of their, their image. You have control of their edits and that's a refreshing place to be instead of having to go through avenues back in the day you have to go through channels you know you have to go through a, you know a producer or, or someone doing videos or or the magazine that's not the case anymore you know you, you, the case is now what we're seeing is most of these young athletes are traveling with full-time filmers to put out edits to control their own their own viewership and their own their own growth of how they want to look and how they want to surf and how how they want to be marketed and that's Good and bad. That's a lot of responsibility because if it's bad, it's on you. If it's good, it's on you, right? Yeah. So it's really teaching these kids on the fly. Hey, you're in business. You better learn business. You better learn marketing. It's it's college one on one of pro surfing since we don't have one. So it's also not everybody's built for that. Like having a camera in your face and just showing all of the things that you do in a given day and what food you're eating is takes a unique personality type to even want to share those things. It's not in me personally. It's I can't do me. that. You know, I, I, I do enough as it is, but you know, it's, but I think that's a certain responsibility that comes with that following and the, and the money and, and the merchandise. Like when you open that door to people, you know, like when you have, it's basically like a TV reality show, right? It you is. have the camera on you 24 seven. Yeah. That's what a vlog is. So, you know, it's people wanting to see you, your, your life or glimpses of your life in a way. And whether you sensationalize it or not for the following or growing up following, whatever, that's not for me to know. Cause I don't, watch it but the strength of that is unique in this day and age and yeah. you can't deny it when you see how big this following is and that's perfect example for these kids coming up you know like hey you know you don't need to be zany or jump on tubes off of stuff but you should learn that he has control of his product his merchandise you know his his his, his edits and that's 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 very that's very empowering in this day and age to, to yeah to control yourself and self-market, especially if you write for someone that won't market you or markets you in the wrong way, or you feel you're being undervalued. Here's a, here's a perfect place to show yourself and show, show the opposite of that. If that's, should that be the case? So, totally. Pretty awesome. trippy, man. This day and age. It really is the best of times and the worst of times. Yeah. In ways, right? Yeah. So. Well, it's really good to reconnect with you. I'm glad you're doing well. Thank you. Then I hope we made their walk or more their drive a little entertaining and more enjoyable with whatever we, we topics we're able to share. And once again, I hope they respect our 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 opinions and points of view because they're just conversation, you know. Like I said, I'm no expert in any of those I think, things. I think this <laughs> this medium is actually a lot more forgiving. Like if if it's just on Instagram and these these short tidbits that you're texting back and forth, a lot gets lost. But through conversation, we can kind of unpack the nuance. And I think that people uh can hear kind of the where your heart is at even if you're using the wrong words sometimes 
they hear where your sure. intention and heart is. And so I don't get a lot of flack from our audience about stuff that we talk about, even if it is COVID related or whatever. Well, that's good. I mean, we're, we're humans being open. We shouldn't be attacked for that. Exactly. Right? Or, yeah. or, or I wouldn't put myself, you know, I wouldn't put myself in this position if I was worried about talking about it. But at the same time, you sh- they shouldn't attack us if we're being open and talking about it. It should be an open conversation because I'm not trying to push my value or, or my belief on you. It's just merely conversation. And I actually want to be supportive of their belief and value and meet you halfway in the middle road, which is seems to be the lost art nowadays, right? Totally. Why can't we just respect people and what they believe and feel? And as long as we can get along and be people at the end of the day, they're going home and into their home closed doors and, and they can believe and feel what they want. That's not, has nothing to do with, with our life unless it's in a, in, you know, on a combined effort or whether it's through community, but you know, people are persevering, you know, surfing won't ever go away. We love the ocean and the waves don't go away. It's just, how do we adapt? How do we keep, you know, how do businesses adapt? How do we keep servicing our customers? How do we stay in the ocean? How do we keep our athletes healthy? How do we keep our, our amateur program going how do we keep our professional program going everything's up in the air right now with everything else in the world it seems like right so instead of panicking and fearing like everyone else it seems like we want to be more grounded than ever you know like tap into the basics of it family friends what makes surfing fun is going connect going surfing connectivity with that people that makes it fun and i think that's why we're still growing in a business sense where people need the product that keep them surfing keep them happy and we're happy we're happy to do that so so i feel fortunate and lucky have a job be able to create a living through this crazy economic time and i don't see it stopping i hope people's sanities are in surfing i hope they appreciate surfing i hope they appreciate each other and and i hope it grows immensely because this is a beautiful thing to have still you know i i I love the culture of our sport to me that's more important than anything else is the culture growing and the people appreciating that i don't think it'll ever stop growing i don't want to see it stop growing yes i don't know i also put it Yep. So I'm just That's trying to be respectful too. of all, all people and thoughts. So hopefully they'll be respectful of our conversation, just in conversation, because it shouldn't be so biased. You know, we're just trying to bring Agreed. stuff to light and, and talk about stuff. So thank you. I appreciate the time. Nice catching up, brother. Yeah, you too. And enjoy your sleep and rest over there your next two months, because it's going to be the last quiet one before you're going to have a little one in between you and 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 forcing um forcing force feeding mom give me give me that give exactly. me something. <laughs> so. all right man good to see you Take care of Ain't none of the glory mine. See, my life was a lonely one, and I was their mama's only son, with no idea what I'm gonna become. And I didn't have long to know that you don't have to be grown to go. I could have died so long before. Then I finally saw the sign, and I made it on down the line, one step at a time. I can smile at it now, I feel better Oh, better And even a little bit still better Oh, have mercy on me Oh, it's probably plain to see That I got a whole lot of pain in me And it will always remain in me Akila Ipa, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for that, Akila. Before we close out, I also asked Akila about how the loss of his father altered his perspective as a father to an 11-year-old. So I'm going to close out the show with his response to that. Stick around for that. Uh, but before I do, I just wanted to let you know, AkilaIpaSurfboards.com is where you can find him or on Instagram at Akila underscore Ipa. 
I've of course linked to those on surfsplendorpodcast.com where you can see everything that we discussed in today's episode, including footage of Slater riding his boards, footage of Aquila himself, and then um, Felipe Toledo actually on a wave in Mexico riding uh, one of Slater's borrowed boards that um, is just unbelievable, super sparky, gets incredible whip out of his turns and uh, definitely come and check that out. I've also linked to realwatersports.com slash podcast where you can get in on that surfboard giveaway. This is really crazy, actually. You don't need to be a supporter of our podcast for this giveaway. All you need to do is go to that URL, realwatersports.com slash podcast, no purchase necessary, and the winner will be selected on October 5th, and you will get to choose any surfboard from their inventory totally crazy so these guys are awesome and it's a super generous introduction uh, to this partnership so thank you realwatersports.com slash podcast and that is all for me um i hope that you're taking advantage of this slow week in surf news to uh make it a busy week in surf We've got swell on the way for the first time in a couple of weeks for Southern California. So hopefully you're getting waves wherever you are in the world. And uh, this is, of course, David Scales for Surf Splendor. I'm going to let Akila go ahead and sign us off. All right. Enjoy this last bit. time you know i had my son at 40 and you know i feel like i started late which you know a lot because i had so much going on in life with challenging myself and my goals and aspirations as a pro surfer but you know i realized wow kids are my kid is so amazing you know i, I wish i started earlier and had more time with children whether it was my son or another child obviously you know my you know it's different when you know in a different time but i love my son so much and I almost don't remember having a life before my son. Crazy. That I, you know, I feel robbed of time because I should have had them earlier, but that's not a choice you get to make if you don't have a partner or you're not mentally there, or yeah. if, you know, physically or mentally there. So, but uh, kids are so, I'm so happy for you, man. Kids are so darn cool. It's, a, you know, it's, it's the best thing that ever happened to me. And, and you know, like you said, the, the bridge and the bond between father, son, family, girlfriend, wife, it's, it's pretty special, man. Congrat- mm-hmm. Congratulations. You better get your sleep now, dude. Your last nice. two months. I know. I wish ah. I could store it up. Um, okay, wait, wait. Are you having a boy or a girl? Or are you having a surprise? Boy. boy. Oh, wow. All yeah. right. Um, but yeah, I'm totally ready for it. Like, I've gotten to do a lot of fun and cool things, travel the world, surfing, eating well, yeah. whatever I wanted to do. Yeah. And it's all sure. lost its thrill, you know? It's like, it all sure. feels so sure. frivolous at this point. That no doubt. That's how I felt. Yeah, but it's just like, man, there's got to be more well, ready for this. In this day and age, when I travel now, I want to share it with someone. You know, exactly. and that's it's really unique exactly. for me because I, I'm, I've been single for a few years after my separation. And I just, you know, I just started becoming open to dating again. And, and you know, it took me a long time to heal to heal mentally and, and emotionally. And, you know, I just wanted to be open to have that channel open again. And man, two months away, right? That's it's we're in the thick of it's it. life changing. Yeah. It's it's the best man. We had a and we had a home birth. It was so special. It was very very unique, unique and special. And it's because my my partner wanted that, and I wanted to support her. And 
yeah it was it was it was a blast man. Okay. it was it was okay. really happy here's a, here's a funny story though so so okay so so my 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 girlfriend at the time you know she she started dilating and we took a beach walk and then um and then you know she, we got home and she you know we got to whatever like seven or ten dilation where baby's coming right and and um so I call call the our midwife you know that has the pool that we fill up with water and all all this and so she she gets there I'm like okay cool you're here you're gonna deliver my baby awesome I'm here to stand by and cheer you on she's like what you're gonna deliver your baby I'm here to cheer you on I was like what oh my did gosh. i know this am i supposed to know this i'm all she's like yeah i'm like wait wait, 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 wait. i'm like i thought i paid you to deliver my baby because you're a midwife she's like no i'm like whoa so it threw me threw me for a full loop because i went to we went to the classes and stuff and you know i knew i was kind of in it but i was like wait i thought you're the pro here she's like i am the pro here but you're you're supporting your partner through this. i'm like okay okay i just was caught off guard i didn't know you know i just didn't know and it was very very special and i'm glad that it went that way and i mean i kind of i can't explain or share the, the whole story but it was it was precious and priceless and my son popped into my hands and it was and we didn't know what we were having i wanted a surprise the whole way wow. you know i didn't i to me i i didn't want to take away the greatest surprise of my life that's how i felt and, and i she felt the same so we didn't know what we were having we had thoughts and feelings and dreams but wow. you know it, it was that's very incredible. very the very very thing, surreal the whole thing is oh. so miraculous it's like it's freakish you it know. it really is, man. It really is, and 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 it, until you experience it, it's like one of those things you don't know until you experience it. And, and as a father, and you know that connectivity with 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 parents and children, and and you know spouse and and partner, it's it's a really unique feeling, man. It's it's quite special. So congratulations to your guys and your little man. And appreciate you know, it. In this last last trimester, your your partner is going to need a lot of support and comfort, and that's that's a tough trimester for them to get through. You know when they start waddling. Mm -hmm. they start walking sideways instead of forward you're like yeah. whoa okay yeah. honey we're hitting that <laughs> what can right i do now. for you totally. yeah i got you got to start massaging some feet you know yeah. some hands get that circulation going comfort yeah. and then emotional support it's it's a wild ride man it really is it is cool though i wouldn't change it for anything it was beautiful and and, and you know i love my son so much and we're trying, know, so it's, trying to revel in it and appreciate it and enjoy it quite special man it's, it's i don't know what to say besides that it's the best thing that's ever happened to me so enjoy it congratulations thank to you, you. you're growing ohana thank you awesome And don't forget to post your job for free at linkedin.com slash surf. That's linkedin.com slash surf to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply.